Welcome to the Health Fix Podcast, where health junkies get their weekly fix of tips, tools, and techniques to have limitless energy, sharp minds, and fit physiques for life. Hey, health junkies, on this episode of the Health Fix Podcast, I've got Natasha Trenev back on because you know what? We just had too much to talk about and there's so many things that I have to learn about probiotics that I couldn't just end at one podcast. So this podcast, we're going to be diving deeper into women's health and sexual health. We're also going to be talking a ton about how we want to be thinking about beneficial bacteria as being part of us, like an extension of us and and really thinking of how different environmental things such as temperature change, pollution, just aging in general change our composition of the microbiome. Even stress, we know this has an impact on it and how we can take care of and repopulate daily our beneficial bacteria. But not only that, beneficial bacteria really work to help protect us from invaders. And Natasha goes into it really well in this podcast in a way that I haven't learned in any of my continuing education or anywhere else. So this one is a great podcast for anyone who's just really wanting to learn about the logistics of beneficial bacteria and really get an understanding of how these guys help your entire body and your entire ecosystem as a whole. Such fascinating stuff. So Natasha's going to be bringing to us her 40 plus years of experience in the yogurt and probiotic industry, along with 750 years of family, like literally family experience of making cultures, which are what we put into yogurt and get the beneficial bacteria from the yogurt. So anyway, great podcast here. Excited for you guys to jump into this one. So let's introduce you again to Natasha Trenev. Hey, health junkies. I have Natasha Trenev on today again because we couldn't finish the conversation last time. And I just had to keep going because I wanted to ask her all about probiotics and fertility, but also probiotics and hormones, because let's face it, I see a lot of ladies as we get older, we start to have troubles with our digestive system. And I can't help but notice that there's a connection with the probiotics. So Natasha, welcome again to the Health Fix podcast. Thank you so much. And I'm here to discuss the important role uh, certain beneficial bacteria have in our fertility, in our vaginal health, in our homo- hormone rebalancing. Extremely important for us to understand that. Yeah. I think as women, we've kind of gotten to this point now, unfortunately, because of marketing, that there are all these fancy gummy probiotics and there's this, and then you can make your own kefir. And we talked about that last time on how that's not the the brightest light on the island idea. And then mm-hmm. now we're also talking about fermented foods and things of that nature and, and debating, you know, are those enough for, for women as a whole? And so let's talk again about why having probiotics 
in a good form are better than trying to make your own different concoctions and hope they work. Yeah, you know, unfortunately, we have generations who lost their information from their previous generations on the sanitation and understanding of fermentation that was passed on from generation to generation as it was in my Macedonian family. And there were very strict guidelines about how to keep things clean, how you have to preheat the culturing medium in order to partially sterilize it because everything that we consume has something we call background noise. Mm -hmm. That background noise, if not handled properly, will probably grow faster than the starter culture because it already has the dominance in the material. So this is where people make a mistake. They buy some, some culture, which is not regulated, that's called a kefir yogurt starter or fermenting their own vegetables. Uh, nobody has a clue what's in that. And if the ingredients like the raw vegetables are not pre-treated or cooked or are made ready to receive the starter culture, the background noise is what's going to grow and not the starter culture. And you have no idea what's in that background noise or how pathogenic it is. So that's what scares me is the ignorance of people and they really don't understand. I, uh, it's great when people go to cooking class because they take a light over the counter and they can see the trillions of bacteria that uh, can be on the counter within seconds of you even using a slightly dirty cloth, dishcloth on the counter. So people are totally ignorant and unaware. So please be very careful. This is not going to provide you with the right bacteria that have been stimulated to help you and especially to equalize your microbiota, which is everywhere in your body, including in your brain cells. This is something that the brain cells, I think a lot of people don't think about. We think about them just being in the gut, I think. And, and maybe now we're starting to talk more about oral microbiome and, and somewhat about the skin mm -hmm. as, as new inventions, you know, in, or new, you know, things in skincare come out. But I don't think a lot of people are thinking about the brain. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Well, we're learning because they, they said they found uh, bacteria in brain cells, in mm -hmm. the neurons, in the brain cells. So they are interacting. And that's why it's important because I used to get a lot of flack at the universities when I used to present, oh, you mean bacteria past the blood-brain barrier impossible? I said, guess what, guys? The bacteria are in your blood. And anywhere the blood flow goes is where the bacteria can go. I can decide to dominate in that area. So we know that if a bacteria is allowed to dominate in an area and it's not exactly friendly, it can cause a lot of problems. I think your thought process generates a lot of chemicals to be produced, but then the bacteria can accelerate that production, increase the production, uh, reduce the production, and cause that imbalance or balance that we need. So just think of your body as an organism that needs to be in balance or unity. If it's not in balance and unity because of your thought process, your diet, or what your exposure is to the air, the water, and the food, you're gonna get that imbalance. And unfortunately, we have a huge imbalance because we have like 210 chemicals that we know of in processed food. We have microbes that are now resistant to any form of antibiotic that are in our communities, on the counter, on your steering wheel, everywhere. This has changed. So we have to change our thinking and how we protect ourselves in order to be healthy. That's 
incredibly wise to mention that because I think a lot of folks really just don't think about, you know, I think we we have an idea of sepsis and we have an idea that, okay, these bacteria can get in our blood, but we think about it as that we have to have an injury or something. And, and oftentimes I will find that some folks will end up with sepsis, but there's been no injury. Their immune system just ended up mm-hmm. having such troubles keeping the bacteria in balance. And now we end up with issues. Well, you know what? Just so I don't get complex. If you think of your intestinal wall as having gates, up and down this 27 feet that we call the intestinal tube, I call it, okay? So it's a way for the uh, to keep the outside world out or to allow certain things from the outside world in to nourish and defend the body, okay? So when these gates are compromised by pathogens, that's when we get that leaky gut because now that portal is open into the bloodstream and not only the microbes, but the toxins can get into our blood. And this causes huge problems. And it's getting worse because the bacteria are, have gotten smarter. They're more aggressive because of our use of uh, prescriptive drugs and especially antibiotics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, we definitely do have an issue in our hands. I've seen that, especially with cases of MRSA. So for for listening, this is methicillin resistant staph aureus. And, and this means that we've got some ones that hang around quite a bit. And sadly enough, I see these guys often in nose areas, mouth areas, nose sores, which has me concerned about mm-hmm. that proximity to the brain. Yep. Yeah. But now it's now you have even vancomycin resistant staph aureus, which mm-hmm. is even worse because now you're in deep trouble. <laughs> yes, these things are are quite scary. So I think what some folks might be thinking right now, Natasha, is they're like, wait a minute, but but the gut lining, don't we need things like collagen and, and that stuff to help the lining? How do probiotics protect us from letting things across that leaky gut? Will you explain to folks how the probiotics work yeah. there? Sure. You know, if you, if you can remember the maddest parking scenario that, that you've ever seen in your life where people are trying to park everywhere. Uh, that's how the bacteria are on your intestinal wall. They're looking for those parking spaces or what we call attachment sites. And they're all very busy. Those attachment sites mean staying on the intestinal wall and sharing the nutrients with the human host. That's very important for bacteria. So uh, those parking spaces can be affected by the new growth of cells on your intestinal wall, which happens every two to five days. Mm-hmm. So every time that cell needs to be expelled, it leaves an opportunity for either a pathogen or a good bacteria to take advantage of that cell growth and park on the intestinal wall. Once it parks on the intestinal wall, it can either protect you by communicating with your immune system and making sure that only nutrients pass into your bloodstream, or if it's opportunistic and especially a pathogen, it will then send its own toxins into the blood it's part of its uh, meta- meta- metabolic process, or it can, you know, even at- attack further landing spaces or attachment sites on the intestinal wall and cause more rips in the lining, which we call leaky gut. And, and people think of a leaky gut, but they don't really understand the damage that can be done on a simple term we use as leaky gut. So we're trying to protect the integrity of the intestinal wall so that the immune cells have the proper communication with the right bacteria and they do communicate Mm -hmm. and that only nourishment 
that doesn't aggravate the immune system, which we call allergies, is allowed to go into our bloodstream to nourish our body. And why I have an objection with collagen, because a lot of this collagen that people sell is not absorbable or utilized by the body. And remember I told you in the last lecture that we lose about 10 million cells a minute. Mm. So we have to have this protein able to be utilized to produce those new cells so that they're made of the best material and they're not cheap protein. Remember I said last time, cheap protein leads to disease. So mm. the fact that you're consuming collagen, great, but proteins are very difficult to break down. And the only place the protein breaks down is in your stomach. If your stomach acid is not sufficient, not going to break that collagen down and you're not going to get the benefit. I do wonder how many women miss out on the benefit of collagen just because one of the biggest things I see over and over again is digestive deficiencies in women, which I think is a great segue into starting to talk about hormones and beneficial bacteria, because I do believe that the stomach acid has a regulatory effect on what's going on in, in the gut. And I'll let you kind of take over since you are the specialist here. Yeah, sure. Well, simply, um, if if your digestive process is not adequate, and a lot of people uh, take uh, pop pills uh, to adjust stomach acid, which is very dangerous, because if that undigested material gets popped into the digestive tract, not only can your body not utilize it, but bad actors like pathogenic bacteria can now attack this lining of the intestinal wall can attack any part of the body, uh, create an imbalance, create problems in your health uh, at any time. So if you're not digesting properly, you're gonna have interference with the immune cells. You're going to not be able to produce enough uh, proteins to re um, re replenish that which is being lost. The hormones are not gonna be able to be built because they don't have the building tools. And there's gonna be interference from other bacteria for that re hormones to be recycled and be used in the body. That's that big last one you mentioned, hormones getting recycled in the body. That one mm -hmm. is one that I feel like I'm on repeat talking about it over and over and over again with folks. And I think that's kind of our newest or latest kind of, not necessarily evolution or, or, or I would say more, it's probably discovery. I would say in the last kind of decade plus that that happens. Now, can you talk to us a little bit about how various like lactobacillus, you know, can, can help in that slowing down that recycling of the estrogens in the digestive system as a whole? Well, you know, I've always worked with lactobacillus acidophilus and I'll tell you why, because um, I, I know every species of lactobacilli. And this has been in the literature for a hundred years. And I feel very safe using it because it has 10,000 published article on the species. And the strain variance is so minute that it's more of a commercial aspect now than it truly has effect. The most important thing is, is how you grow that lactobacilli and whether you stimulate it to make hydrogen peroxide and natural antimicrobials that can defend your vaginal tract or your intestinal tract from the colonization of pathogens. If that lactobacilli is stimulated and handled properly, it will be uh, induced 
to grow these beneficial byproducts that protect not only itself, but protect you vaginally and intestinally. And if the intestinal tract is not the right acid balance and it doesn't have the correct stimuli, the hormones can be, cannot be recycled and there will be no stimulation to produce new hormones. Mm. Wow. So I want to go back to the hydrogen peroxide component there for a minute. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people don't know that about lactobacillus and its capability because mm -hmm. it's something that we think about hydrogen peroxide when we get a cut, right? We're like, oh, let's put that on there. At least old school ways of mm -hmm. thinking. I know new new school, it's like slap the antibacterial on it and put a Band-Aid or, or, or whatever. But the, the hydrogen peroxide was quite the thing when I was growing up. So having bacteria make that that's like self-contained in and of themselves that mm -hmm. they could contain what's going on around them. And we don't have to necessarily go on all these bug kills. Yeah. Well, it's a brilliant, you know, if you think of how brilliantly we're designed, I never cease to be amazed. <laughs> now the bacteria are so smart that they like the human host. So when they produce the hydrogen peroxide, they produce it in microns and they target it against the competitor. <clears throat> excuse me, they make sure the competitor is hit by this so that they get rid of it and start commanding their territory so they can benefit the host. And in benefiting the host, they benefit themselves because they can thrive. Mm. And so then in that case, when someone has a test done, and I, I know you're not a fan of the stool <laughs> testing, but in my realm, it, it happens. And I have folks that will come to me with them as well. And they'll, they'll have gone and, and wondered, you know, could my bacteria be causing all of my hormone issues? And oftentimes what I'll see is low lactobacillus mm -hmm. on the, the test and when it gets cultured. And then I'll also see low or sorry, high levels of beta glucuronidase which yes. is the enzyme that helps with that recycling of the hormones, unfortunately. Would you say that there's a pretty good connection between the amount of lactobacillus species in particular and how much beta-glucuronidase activity happens in the gut? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why I stick with acidophilus because all of the studies have been done showing the heightening of, of all the necessary chemicals to recycle hormones, balance the intestinal wall, balance the vaginal wall, even the uterine wall, all of that processes, because they've evolved with us since our creation, mm -hmm. okay? And they have our best uh, health in mind because when we're healthy, we provide the perfect, perfect environment for them to thrive. So they protect us like their homeland, where they're, you know, wonderful place for them to live and thrive. So it's a wonderful relationship, really, when you think about it. Uh, we're providing a great habitat for them, and they're providing us all these uh, natural chemicals to produce, to be produced inside of our body, and they can stimulate other organisms to produce it for our benefit. Really? Mm -hmm. tell, tell us more about that. Yeah, for instance, uh, bifidobacteria can stimulate another species uh, or another genus of bacteria to produce uh, butyrate, which is, you know, is very difficult to consume. And I question anybody who tries to sell you butyrate and tell you it's functional because it just doesn't survive stomach acid very well. 
And so it, uh, the bifidobacteria in your large intestine can stimulate this other group of bacteria to produce the butyrate, which as you know, heals the gut lining. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm they will produce it intelligently knowing what amount you need. Hmm. So they can also gauge. That's yes. pretty cool. That's pretty They're cool. very intelligent. We have a very poor view of microorganisms, but they're very intelligent and they don't do anything that's not in their interest. That makes sense. That makes sense. Let's talk a little bit about vaginal health because I think for a lot of women, we start to, you know, even as teens, sometimes we'll start to see imbalances, maybe because we've been hit too much candy and soda. Um, and then as we get older, we'll tend to notice things show up right around perimenopause. And, and in particular, I, I have many women in my practice that have come into me complaining of kind of a chronic vaginitis, so inflammation in, in the vaginal area, for those of you who are listening and not familiar with that term. Tell us a little bit about your probiotic formula that you have that you pair. So the healthy, the healthy Trinity paired with your gynotrin, I think is what it's called. Yeah, the gynotrin is the gynecological project, but also uh, you can get extra um, lactobacillus acidophilus and my megadophilus. Mm -hmm. And one concept I want to share with your listeners is what I call the layering system. I've developed these products to work in harmony with each other and by having different delivery systems uh, affect the health of the vaginal tract, the intestinal tract, every aspect of your body. So, you know, we do have the uh, gynotrin, which has the homeopathic for vaginal insertion and has the acidophilus for oral ingestion. And unfortunately, I had to take out the acidophilus for the vaginal insertion because the FDA said, that that's an invasive use of a dietary supplement, even though women have been douching with yogurt and acidophilus for centuries. They said, uh, and in fact, I have to have a drug license in order to sell the homeopathic preparation for the vaginal use to inhibit yeast growth. Wow. So what I tell people, look, unfortunately, the government is really <laughs> trying to control every aspect of our life even the women's health. So I said, look, our gynotrin is a perfect formulation. Uh, I've worked with a famous um, medical doctor uh, who is also a homeopathic physician. And we have a very good formula. But I said, there's no government that can stop you from taking the acidophilus, making it into a little paste and inserting it digitally into your vaginal tract. Fresh, well, it's fresh. You can do that as often as you wish <clears throat> to get faster action because it will reach your vaginal tract if you take it orally. But if you want that immediate action, you can do both. Mm -hmm. I like that. I like that. I often tell folks to do that in, in my office. I have no problem recommending that. And, and for those of you guys listening, I mean, this is not crazy science here. Like Natasha said, women have been using yogurt for hundreds, probably almost close to a thousand years. If we Absolutely. It goes back to the Egyptian era. The Greeks, they all knew about these fermented uh, milks and how uh, valuable they were for human health. Mm -hmm. And like I mentioned in the intro, Natasha's family has been doing this for 750 years. So 
we probably have some data somewhere along the way of women using the products that came from your family mm -hmm. as vaginal products too. Yeah, well, women used it vaginally and, you know, uh, birth defects were almost unheard of and uh, people were generally so healthy, they died of natural causes. The reason uh, this whole environment was changed because of the unfortunate wars that happened in the Balkans. But under normal conditions, these people are very healthy. They live a very clean, healthy lifestyle, emotional stability, good community function. And that's what we're missing here. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And, and don't forget, you know, that every time you interchange with a different partner, different bacteria are delivered to you vaginally. Mm -hmm. uh, the male sperm carries bacteria can, you know, agglutinate and cause problems, uh, not only not being able to fertilize the egg, but causing other problems along its travel uh, to trying to uh, ferment, uh, not ferment, but to uh, um, fertilize the egg. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so this is where fertility, of course, comes in with, with partners and with what's going on in your environment compared to the male's environment. So mm -hmm. what I'm gathering, Natasha, is that the man and the woman should be taking a probiotic, step one. Correct, <laughs> correct. Because the sperm are not going to be healthy. We're finding much more agglutination with the sperm, which means they clump together and they can't reach their objective. Uh, they're not healthy. The counts are down. And that's because the males, along with the females, don't have uh, um, healthy and fertile uh, reproductive organs. Mm -hmm. And tell us this. I'm sure you've probably come up with some data about perhaps lactobacillus, acidophilus, or any of the other types of, of beneficial bacteria and fertility, whether it's male or female, and what mm -hmm. aspects of the fertility they help. Yeah, well, first of all, if your vaginal tract is healthy, if your urine health is healthy, you know, believe it or not, you even have bacteria in your fallopian tubes. That means that health of the eggs, that you have plenty of eggs that are healthy, and that the sperm can reach those eggs to fertilize them. And if the sperms are not, if the sperm count is low and the sperm is not healthy, it can't make that journey up to the egg to fertilize it. And so not only are we finding that the sperm counts are low, but the screw, the sperms are agglutination is happening. They're clumping. And so they're not able to reach their target. So the males have to be clean. Uh, and they have to practice good sanitation and they have to have the right bacteria in their large and small intestine because from that area, it'll transgress into all areas of your body. Mm -hmm. So it, you know, it will, it will form healthy or weak sperm. <laughs> it will help the sperm to either float up or not be able to float up. It's absolutely fascinating when you look at the processes and how these bacteria interact on every aspect of our health. Wow. Wow. No, it, it, to me, it's mind blowing, but it, I mean, it makes sense that there's bacteria in the fallopian tubes. There's gotta be bacteria, you know, in the uterus and, and beyond only because, I mean, we know that people can have infections in their fallopian tubes and we mm -hmm. can have chlorine there, pelvic inflammatory disease, things of that nature. It, it is possible. So why not, try to help 
you know, get good bacteria in there versus things that are not going to be as beneficial for us. Yeah. And and I think that young people especially are very ignorant. They don't understand a good hygiene if they're having a partner and they're having intercourse. Uh, nobody's ever teaching them the correct hygiene. Um, they're not eating foods to support a healthy microbiome, either in the male counterpart. And even the prostate cannot be healthy if you don't have a good microbiome in the prostate area. And so people don't understand that. I don't think I ever really thought about the prostate and microbiome, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's let's talk about that for a second. So obviously it's a gland. We need glands to work properly. The glands are also mm-hmm. going to have bacteria because of course we can mm-hmm. have prostatitis. So, okay. So even beneficial bacteria help the prostate. This is something I've never mentioned before and makes sense. Just never yeah. thought about it. Yeah. The, the reason you have inflammation and let's define, you know, I'm, I'm trying to keep it simple so that mm-hmm. everybody gets it because we can get highly technical and it's just going to go over people's head and they're going to say, oh yeah, yeah, I got that. But then you look at them and I don't think they really got it. So basically <laughs> inflammation means that your immune system is destroying defective parts in the body. And by destroying those defective parts in the body, redness and heat occurs correct? So if we have inflammation in the prostate, what's going on? The body's trying to uh, destroy something because it's perceiving a danger, or I should say the immune system, because immune cells are everywhere, just like the bacteria. So if you don't have a healthy microbiome in a gland uh, with the prostate or any part of your body, your immune system is going to try to destroy that in hopes of getting a brand new cell it's not defective. That makes sense. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess I never thought about it that way in t- terms of all the guns. I mean, so this would make sense even possibly for the thyroid, for the adrenals. All of that. All of that. I know because I've been suffering from thyroid and I probably, because I grew up in an era as a teenager where we had uh, multiple smog alerts, stage five smog alerts when I was growing up. And I think it did a lot to damage Uh, my thyroid, because invariably, if you can see, there's a huge problem of thyroid issues among young women. I think it's even gotten worse than when I was growing up. Yes, I I would say probably one in three, maybe one Mm -hmm. in four in terms of what I see. Granted, I'm more on the lines of specialty with hormones and and such. So my, my data may be a little skewed, but it does seem quite common. I think it's absolutely, it might be even higher because mm-hmm. if I see the number of support groups for Hashimoto's thyroid problem, you talk to almost every young woman and they've got some kind of a glandular issue, uh, something wrong with their body. And what I tell people, bacteria are everywhere. And, you know, yeast infections are notorious for causing thyroid problems, gland issues, and almost any dysfunction in the body, including creating cancers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's let's talk about that connection with yeast infections and thyroid or gland slowing of glands. Let's put it that way, because I've mm-hmm. also seen that connection. And and let's kind of bring in what bacteria folks want to be thinking about to kind of bolster their their ability to maybe reverse some of the things. Because I do believe some of the thyroid conditions are reversible. Uh, everything's reversible in the body. Remember, 
your body completely remakes itself every 365 days. Maybe there's a two percentage of some things that don't, but let's just, you know, for argument's sake, sake, say every year your whole body is replaced. So when your body's trying to replace itself, do we want cheap proteins or do we want healthy proteins? Cheap proteins already predisposes to disease. And if there is a disruption in the microbiome anywhere in the body, that's going to be perceived as a weakness and your immune system is going to be functioning over time. Mm-hmm. It's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. If, the, if the immune system doesn't get the support of the right beneficial bacteria anywhere in the body, there is going to be a perception of dysfunction or something that needs to be eliminated. Otherwise, the body can't be healthy. And the immune system will go at it. And every autoimmune disease, every autoimmune disease has its origin in the gut. Mm-hmm. And this is where people have been taught because I'm trying to get away from Western medicine in that they're trying to give us a drug or now they're using probiotics to treat conditions. And I'm saying, Mm-mm, not good. Mm-hmm. Because you want to make sure that each one of those ecosystems has a bacteria component that's been evolving with us and has been prevalent in healthy people for generations. Not some new species that we found because somebody wants to promote that species as being what I call the wonder species. And that they're gonna give you a bacterial strain that's gonna take care of your problem. But I say, and I've continued to say that if you balance your microbiome, whether it's in your vaginal tract, whether it's in your uterus, whether it's in your GI tract, whether it's on your skin, what's in your bronchial microbiome, those microbiomes need to be in harmony with the body in order for you to enjoy terrific health. And there's no other simple way. And yeast is very opportunistic. In other words, we've done this 40 years ago, and I don't know how this information got lost. In other words, 10% of your composition of your microbiota and your large intestine is probably yeast. Yeast becomes pathogenic when it's allowed to overgrow. When it doesn't have sufficient competition, it can overgrow and cause huge problems because the production of uh, toxins is one thing that can turn on and off your genes. The genes do not turn themselves on and off. So the microbes, the toxins you produce and your your perception of reality are the only three things that can uh, turn on and off your genes. So uh, all this other nonsense about, oh, you're predisposed because you have genetic you know, predisposition, that only means we have a weakness and we have to be more careful about what we think every day, um, what toxins we allow to enter our body and what bacteria are predominant in any one of our microbiomes. That's super wise information. I think the what we think every day is very highly underrated at this point and definitely something I'm trying to get out a lot because it's something that I've discovered. It really does make a huge difference and it's a huge, huge impact. I think that, you know, I don't know, the bugs in our body are living just as much as we are. And I think they can also feel the energy of, of us. And I know it sounds a little woo woo, but I think if we put out an energetic vibe, that's pretty negative. It's going to be hard for bugs to live. Have you, I don't think it's been proven. Oh yeah. 
That, you know, your negative thoughts produce chemicals uh, that uh, make your microbiome not a desirable place for the beneficial probiotic bacteria to live. Mm-hmm. You know, your thoughts produce chemicals in the body. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think we've got some connections there with with research. Now, in terms of the PMS, PMDD, where the mind can can race a little bit and we could get different types of manifestations of anger, frustration, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Can you explain to us a little bit of how someone might work with taking beneficial bacteria to counter these types of? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, it's a loop. Mm-hmm. Your mind uh, can create imbalances by producing negative chemicals. Mm-hmm. However, if you have sufficient beneficial bacteria, they are responsible for producing up to 90% of your serotonin, which can be uptaken via the vagus nerve, up to 50% of your dopamine, which is really the pleasure, what I call a neurotransmitter. <clears throat> and it can also uh, stimulate the production of GABA and uh, tryptophan. So especially when you're having negative thoughts and you're under this, what I call negative mood, it's very important that you take extra amounts of these beneficial bacteria to help at least from one end to build up those beneficial chemicals to help you with the mood. Because what most people do when they're feeling blue, they take chemicals like uh, alcohol or prescriptive or what I call street drugs. Mm-hmm. And what that does, it has a patch for a short time, but creates other serious problems that you have to deal with. And remember, alcohol is used as a sterilizing agent, so it gets rid of bacteria, both good and bad. Mm-hmm. That's a good point, because I think in this perimenopausal and beyond time frame of life, a lot of women like their wine. And I... I'm asked often, and I know I mentioned it the last time we talked, I'm asked often like, hey, doc, can I just take the probiotics for a while and stop because I've got them replenished in my body and I'm good? And I know you have a, a good explanation here. So let's talk about wine and and constant replenishment of beneficial bacteria. Well, okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. I wanted to say that this is not a social commentary, but as a young person, I decided I didn't want any alcohol in my body, period. I didn't feel I was benefiting from it, and why should I do it to be socially correct? So I made my own personal decision. And what I can tell you is that uh, alcohol does destroy and inhibit the growth of beneficial bacteria. And women in particular lack enzymes to assist the liver into processing alcohol. That's the way we were designed. So we have a, you know, we may get a, a mellow, um, how shall I say, effect after drinking the, the wine, but that effect can have also detrimental effect because it creates a hostile environment for the very bacteria that need to produce those neurotransmitters that make us happy. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So if you think of alcohol as a numbing effect, it has a numbing effect. And, you know, that's what people say. And I said, oh, in Europe, people drink it. Yeah, but the climate was different. We didn't have 210 
chemicals and processed foods. We didn't have the junk in the air. We didn't have the junk in the water. We didn't have the toxic emotions. Mm-hmm. You know, people were in generally pretty simple life, happy. Mm-hmm. We got a lot of problems now where the body cannot utilize something like wine as an aid. Mm-hmm. And that's my opinion. Mm-hmm. And if you have problems with your female hormones and you're drinking alcohol, especially more than you should, because, you know, women have, you know, can have a higher alcohol content with one drink than a man. And if you get stopped, your blood (laughs) alcohol level will not be in the friendly zone. Also not not good. (laughs) Yeah, no. And I'm saying it's, it's, you know, this is science. We know that this is science that traditionally women don't have a, the enzymes necessary to really deal with alcohol. So I'm saying to women, uh, without, without judgment, uh, meditate. Think about what it is that this is doing for you. I think we should meditate about our foods, about our life. I'm trying to do this now at 75. <clears throat> what do I want to change about my life that I didn't like before? Mm-hmm. And, you know, trying to decide who really I am. I love what I do. I love my education. I'm dedicated to it because I know we need to know about this more than ever because there's so much conflict and conflicting information that people are confused. And actually, this is a time where we need to be thinking clearly and know exactly what we need to do in order to be healthy, happy, and not have, face all these problems because Really, I don't think it's a good commentary in our society that by the age 50, most Americans are on it on five or more prescriptive drugs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 sad. It's sad. And I'm hoping that we can work to prevent that one one person at a time here, one woman at a time with at least this podcast and, and go from there. So let's talk a little bit about your your probiotic line. Mm-hmm. And let's talk about for fertility, for general women's health. What would you recommend for a woman to start with and and kind of how to utilize your probiotics effectively? Okay, well, I have different delivery systems. And of course, Americans love my magic pill, which is our healthy trinity. It's the only product in the world. And it took me a decade to develop this. If you thought I just sat down, this was very hard work. And what I do is I take three strains that I know are compatible with our body and have been conferring incredible benefits to human health for at least a century. I don't fool around with anything I don't thoroughly understand. And I've been doing this for 54 years, by the way. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, these bacteria then are micro-enrobed in oil. Why? Because stomach acid is there to break down protein. Since bacteria are mostly protein, it's also the stomach acid is designed to kill the bacteria that comes in with the food. Okay? Whether it's good, bad, or in between. Mm-hmm. So the stomach acid is instrumental whether or not your probiotic bacteria make it into good shape into your small intestine where they can do some good. And the bacteria also have to be bile tolerant. So that capsule is really unique because that oil uh, is emulsified by bile. Since the bacteria are also bile tolerant, 
They're not killed by stomach acid and they're not damaged by bile. And they will then find their niche in your 27 feet of GI tract where they want to live and start benefiting you. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying since we live in an era of high stress, I would recommend they take two of those a day. Now, if they have uh, vaginal health issues, they can also add, this is my layering system. They can also add, add the gynotrin for 14 days, or they can get a megadophilus, dairy or dairy-free, and add one or two capsules a day of that. And then gauge their body. Because fortunately or unfortunately, the composition of our microbiota is unique to us, like our fingerprint. So one dose does not fit all. Mm-hmm. And this is what we have to get away from the medical community and get into our holistic thinking that each body has a different level of need. And since I have different delivery systems in each one of our bodies that you have, you can use to determine uh, <clears throat> either with the help of nice doctors like you, or we have a full staff on board that most of them had been with me for 15 or more years and they help people really change this microbiome. And that's why I'm staying and working because I think this is the most important concept of health that we have to understand before we start giving any other supplements or doing anything else. We have to fix this microbiome. Why? Because as we age, we become a less desirable environment for them to stay. (laughs) And remember, 40% of your dry weight fecal matter is bacteria. So as we age, we, we, we start losing more beneficial bacteria and less is reproduced in our GI tract. And that accelerates aging even more. Mm, that's important thing to think about mm. there for sure. Oh my yeah. goodness. Yeah. yeah. So, so, you know, I always tell people, I don't make the rules. I'm just here to report the rules to you. <laughs> and <laughs> the problem is that uh, what's happened to our dietary supplement industry is they don't want to do the hard job. What they really want to do is figure out a way to sell something that they claim is a magic bullet to the most amount of people. And that's a tragedy. We have to go back to basics, especially in our alternative health communities and start saying, we got to fix this microbiome before we give this patient anything else because it's not going to be able to absorb. The GI tract is not going to be able to break down or absorb just to give you one example of uh, calcium. Unless you have a slightly acidic balance in your GI tract, you can't readily absorb calcium. Hmm. Wow. Not going to be absorbed. Not going to be broken down and absorbed. That's just one thing. So I think we have to understand what our GI tract is for. Figure out if we need more bifidobacteria. A lot of people in this day and age have virtually destroyed their bifidobacteria in their large intestine. And that's extremely important for your immune health. Uh, They've destroyed lactobacillus. They're buying all kinds of designer organisms because they're telling them it's going to do A, B, or C. But then I said, did you know that maybe that organism is inhibiting other beneficial bacteria that also perform an important function in your 27 feet? We're not trying to treat symptoms. We're trying to make sure we have compatible organisms that have been evolving with us and serve a specific purpose to help us thrive. 
And for instance, um, like my Digestalac, a lot of people need additional help digesting. So this, this bacteria found in my Digestalac actually uh, predigests protein and carbs for its own use. And mm -hmm. as a consequence, the body benefits because it's predigesting those elements for ours as well. Huh. So someone could take that instead of copious amounts of digestive enzymes. That Correct. They... Okay. Right. And because the bacteria will start doing it in itself. And if you take it with every meal, depending on your need level, um, you take it, you know, that's why in the old country, people used to have two or three bowls of yogurt. The digestive-like organism is one of the organisms found in yogurt that I grow and concentrate. And then it helps with your digestion. Mm. And not only that, it has a unique relationship with your uh, immune system. You know, your innate immune system, not your adoptive, uh, especially killer cell activities, is stimulated by this bacteria. It actually alerts it and says, hey, you're not doing a good job. Straighten up. we got problems here. <laughs> so it's kind of like a monitor in there. Yes. It's, it's figuring out that, you know, the killer cells are not doing their job. It stimulates them to perform better. Okay. And this is Digestalax. So this is Lactobacillus bulgaricus? Yes. Okay. Excellent. And why is it called bulgaricus? Because it was identified by Dr. Ilya Mechnikov, famous doctor from the Sorbonne University, uh, who identified the Bulgarians as being long-lived and healthy because of their consumption of the uh, natural yogurt. And his theory of longevity was the reduction of toxic buildup in the body. That's it. You eliminate the toxins, the body will not degenerate and age improperly. Hmm. Mm -hmm. So lactobacillus bulgaricus can help us with that. Absolutely. Okay. And I call it the original longevity organism. <laughs> so I think a lot of folks right now are thinking, okay, Natasha, what do you take every day? What are you, what are you up to? How does it work with your probiotic regimen? Well, I think your skin is the number one reflection of what's going on inside your body. And I think for 75, my skin's doing pretty well. Mm -hmm. I haven't had any surgeries or any chemical peels. Uh, it's just natural. You know, I do my own natural facials and keep my, my skin and my body healthy. I take at least four or five of my healthy Trinity a day. I take my other probiotic powders in the Healthy Start system, uh, one to two teaspoons of each powder three or four times a day. And I do that because I know the environment, even though I live in a uh, what mountainous area here in Santa Monica Mountains, I know the environment has changed because you see my body reacting to it. You see my hoarseness? It's what whatever was in the air. Mm. This morning I woke up, something was in the air and started bothering me. Mm. Not good. So, uh, yeah, and and for my age, I'm doing very well. I generally don't get sick. I tell people you shouldn't plan on getting sick because when the flu season is around, the reason you get sick is because when the temperature drops, you're exposed to different bacteria. Mm. So all I do is when it gets cold, I up my dose a little bit, and I'm fine. Hmm. This is something to think about because where I'm at, we just went from 80s 
over the weekend or beginning mm-hmm. of the last end of the week into the weekend. And then now we're at 37 in snow. So <laughs> important time to hook. Yeah. I mean, this is one um, thing and I want to repeat it again. The reason you get sick, it's not because of the cold. The cold weather allows different groups of bacteria to thrive. Mm-hmm. And that different group of bacteria is something your immune system has not had to deal for with a time. So your immune system has to adopt to dealing with these new bacteria that are not prevalent in the more cold temperature. It's the same thing with hot temperatures. Mm-hmm. Hot temperatures will stimulate other bacteria to growth, which you are not familiar with. And so when you travel to hot climates, you know, you'll get diarrhea or you'll get digestive upsets because why? The locals have adjusted to that bacteria at that temperature that are growing and are being ingested by them, either by air, by water or food. But your body hasn't seen that. So it's not prepared to deal with it. So I say when you travel, you have to take extra doses of the probiotics to help your body adjust with dealing with the new bacteria that's in that environment. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. That makes sense. And mm-hmm. so the best travel probiotic, which one? Because I know a lot of people are going to be like, okay, Natasha, we have to refrigerate your products. So if we're going to travel with ones and keep them cool and on ice, what, which one do we travel with? Well, the healthy trini is the easiest to travel with. I always tell them, Fix the powders if you can, because look, uh, the reason I'm very strict about the refrigeration is because I'm sorry, we've had several generations of people who don't understand uh, protecting live products, living products. And if I don't tell them to refrigerate, they'll put it in a hot trunk, they'll put it in in the sun, they'll put it next to a hot, uh, you know, blower. And I tell people, look, the products are okay. If you're traveling, just wrap them in foil, pop them in your carry-on, or even you can check them in if it's not going to be hot in the, usually planes are pretty cold where you have the check-in area. It's going to be fine. It just cannot tolerate exposure to heat uh, or mismanagement. And so that's why I, I tell people, but if you just treat it like a pet, you wouldn't put the pet in your car when it's 80 degrees outside and close the windows. Because within 20 minutes, inside of the car is going to be 120 degrees. Mm-hmm. That's what kills your pet or your child. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with bacteria. It's easy enough to remember. Yeah. Uh, easy enough to remember that way. And the, re- and the reason I keep them cold, and people have been brainwashed to accept this, um, uh, what they call shelf stable, which is nothing like that exists. When they're talking about shelf st- uh, stability, they're talking about temperatures that are 72 degrees in the laboratory. There is no such temperature in transport and distribution and people mishandling the product because they think it's shelf stable. That word has no uh, download comprehension by this brain that doesn't understand what shelf stability means. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we don't know how they traveled. We don't know if they sat out in the sun and heat on a pallet or wherever. Right. And- So so remember, the bacteria are not dormant. They are uh, programmed to thrive. So the minute they get any uh, level of moisture, the bacteria have to be so dry that they're like 18% drier than the Mojave Desert. Okay? 
So they're so dry because even a slightest amount of moisture is going to trigger their life cycle. Hmm. And what triggers the life cycle is when there's a temperature change, there's moisture condensation. So even that small moisture condensation will trigger their, their growth cycle. Now, just imagine they're in a closed-ended system inside the capsule or the bottle. So if there's no food coming in and no waste going out, what's going to happen to them? They're going to die and they're going to be damaged. Hmm. Wow. And nobody explains this. And it's so important for everyone to understand this. It's not about making business. If there's a, one thing I need to teach everybody is that there's no magic bullet for vaginal, emotional, and bodily health. It's creating that optimal environment with the right bacteria in your large intestine, in your small intestine, in your uh, skin microbiome, in your reproductive uh, organ micro microbiome, in your bronchial microbiome, everywhere in the body, you have a bacterial balance. And that balance is key to every aspect of your health. You are an incredible biological running machine. And if you're a yogi and can control things with your thoughts, God bless you. I'm not there yet. Please. So, <laughs> yeah, so, so we have to help ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Definitely a, a multi-tiered approach, I guess we could call it that. Now, one thing I did get in terms of a question, Natasha, from some folks when I had described your probiotics to them mm -hmm. in the last week, since of course, guys, I'm taking them now too, and my dog, um, is the the sunflower oil for mm -hmm. helping to keep the, the bacteria preserved. Someone, I don't even know, a couple of people on social media have talked a lot about how the different seed oils in supplements are damaging and things of that nature. And I have been explaining that it's a protective mechanism. The oil has to be there to help protect the bacteria from the the gut. And I would love for you to speak a little bit on that just because folks have been asking me about, but what there, but there's oils in there. Yeah. Okay. Well, first of all, uh, you know, the, the sunflower seed is specifically chosen for me because it's the only oil I found that will not harm the bacteria. And then we have to use a very expensive process to naturally even extract the little water that the oil has. So it's a complete environment. And I tell people, I don't choose it because of the human being. I choose it to protect the bacteria. Mm -hmm. And the, the small amount that of the oil that's in there cannot cause any adverse reaction because the bacteria will compensate for any imaginary deleterious effect. And let me just tell you, in the Balkans, we're not like the Italians. We either eat lard during the cold season, or we take an uh, organic sunflower oil during what we call the spring and summer season. And those people were very healthy. Mm -hmm. They were not sick. So I don't know what the issue is with the seed oils. I know they, they say they cause inflammation, but uh, sunflower oil has been found to also have its own anti-inflammatory effect. Mm -hmm. So I have to use what I consider the best protection for the bacteria is I have to figure out how I'm going to get those bacteria past your stomach acid healthy and alive in order to benefit you. If you take bacteria, according to your understanding, they're going to be stressed out, uh, dead, beaten up, and they're not going to function. 
Yep. Yep. No, that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. I was just hoping that you would explain for us so that folks can hear it from someone else besides me. But not only that, um, I think what we're getting with with the seed oils that a lot of people maybe don't want to admit to, and we're kind of beating up supplements um, companies and different things, or we're kind of getting too nitpicky, is that Mm -hmm. we're dealing with heated oils that have been heated up and processed. Not yeah, but actually sunflower oil can take higher temperatures without decomposing. Okay. It's like the sesame oil we see in Asian cooking that can be used in stir frying without degrading. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. Olive oil now you wouldn't use uh, at a high heat because it does become degraded. Mm-hmm. As much as I love oil, olive oil and I use it, the organic extra virgin on my salads, I do saute my foods with the sunflower oil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think we've sometimes we overcomplicate health when it, and and we get too nitpicky on the wrong things. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and I said, you know, and I said, and I challenged all the people that we're eating uh, foods that have not been seen in societies where they have healthy people with l- lack of disease. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying we have all these processed foods and a lot of the foods that people are buying in the health food store are processed. Like, you know, almond milk is a processed food. I hate to tell you. So <laughs> is oat milk. So is coconut milk. It's not in its natural state. It's a highly processed food. I'm not blaming you or telling you not to take it. I'm just saying understanding processing. Mm-hmm. It's not like the processed garbage they sell in the supermarket, but it's not in its natural state. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely need to be thinking about all of these different things. All the plant-based things are are of concern to me. The higher the process of the plant-based things, the more I get worried about folks. Yeah. You know, know, um, I can just tell you, I grew up, my mother, I was born in Belgrade, former Yugoslavia, now Serbia. My mother, when I was a child, used to go to the open air market, the farmer's market, uh, buy fresh vegetables that were in season, knew how to prepare each and every one of them so that the whole family enjoyed eating them. And uh, we would use meat maybe two or three times a week. And uh, nobody was really sick in the family. Mm-hmm. You know, because all the food was meant fresh every day. And it was, didn't, wasn't processed. It didn't sit on somewhere. Uh, the oil was a cold pressed organic sunflower oil. We even had, ate lard in the winter. Americans used to be horrified. They said, "Yeah, because our pigs were not toxic. <laughs> the lard was not toxic. The lard is toxic here because of the toxins the pigs, you know, get from their feed." So I'm not trying to persuade anybody to go out and eat lard or whatever. I'm just saying, look at healthy societies. What did they eat every day to stay healthy? There's this uh, now a society in Greece that they found that natural centenarians, people who live past 100 years, and it's because of their environment, what they eat every day that's fresh, their social interaction, and their lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's That's what I'm going for. That's what I'm going for. Yeah, you know, I mean. <laughs> Uh, who wants to live to be a hundred in the nursing home? Not me. No, absolutely not. No, 
The way we should live is that we should have minimal problems and we should pass in our sleep without being hooked up to tubes and so sick that, you know, we don't even know what's going on. Yeah. That and is... I just want to say one thing that's very important, not only to fertility and organic health. I used to argue with everybody. If you remember in the eighties, the big craze with no fat, mm. the pretty good <laughs> diet. I used oh, to yeah. argue with people all the time. I said, are you crazy? I said, fat is a necessary part. It's the only food that your brain can utilize. How are you feeding your brain when you're eating all these carbs? <laughs> oh, I, I'm a product of all that, unfortunately. Well, yeah, and people used to look at me like I'm a space cadet. How dare you? I say that. <laughs> I, I, I think, you know, I grew up in the early 80s. Um, born in the late seventies. And, and really for me, it's my mom was fat phobic. She was so afraid to use fat and it did create a issue with me because then I was eating carbs all the time and ended up being, a you know, roly poly little kid because of it. And, you know, she just did the best she could with what information she was getting fed, but realized that halfway through, Oh, something's wrong here. My daughter's like turning into a balloon. So yeah, the fat phobic thing is a... Yeah, you know, and maybe next time if we discuss, I'd like to discuss um, the bad rap, um, you know, low-density lipoproteins have, you know, and the new study that shows that they're not cholesterol at all. They're a lipoprotein, and they have some cholesterol in it, and they're very necessary to feed our brain. Mm. We've been sold this bill of goods, that if, oh gosh, if our LDL is so high, get rid of it. Uh-uh. It's the only direct food that feeds our brain. Maybe that's why we have an explosion of ill brain health. Among other things, yes. Yeah. And, and the same inflammation uh, that causes uh, hardening of the arteries or plaque formation is the same inflammation that damages your fertility, that damages your intestinal tract, it's the inflammation in the veins and the arteries that causes plaque accumulation, not the cholesterol. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Whether it's good or bad. So that's what I'm saying. Think about that all you want to treat your body holistically. We use that term very loosely. Mm -hmm. But what I'm trying to give you is the four bacteria that I know will not harm you at any level will help to um, establish a beneficial uh, quantity of these bacteria in whichever microbiome you want to feed in your body and that they're safe at any level. And I'm not trying to treat symptoms. I am trying to create healthy microbiomes that give the tool to your body to heal whatever it needs to be healed. And your body is very capable, trust me, to heal itself. Mm-hmm. Well said. Well said. Natasha, thank you again for coming on and talking all, all things. We, we've covered a variety of topics today. No doubt we'll have you back on and, and we'll dive more into cholesterol. I think that would be a great topic as well. Let's tell folks how they can get a hold of the natural probiotics and how they can get a hold of info from your lovely staff. Yes. Um, well, you can go to natrin.com, spells N-A-T-R-E-N.com, or you can call 
the number four, and the word natren, N-A-T-R-E-N. Believe it or not, the ladies that work for me have worked for me for more than 15 years. One has been with me for 23 years, and she said she'll never leave until I throw her out. <laughs> so, and they really have a communication with their clients. Uh, they become like family members to them. And that makes me feel so good because I never want to have folks feel that when they call us up, we're trying to sell them something. We're not. We're just trying to provide a service and give you the probiotics. So remember, it's 866, the number four, and the word natren spells N-A-T-R-E-N. And I know you're going to be giving the products to your clinics. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy to do that because I feel I sleep well at night because I think I'm providing a really good service to people. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we, we've lost connection with what these probiotics are really are for versus searching them out for symptoms, like you mentioned. And Mm -hmm. there's a lot of confusion as to what to do with them, how to take them, what's the best way. So I appreciate all of your hard work and yep, we are also working on having them in, well, pretty much in my programs now that I'm I'm all virtual these days. So they'll be in all my programs, all the folks who join Thank in. You. And, I, and I love the feedback. Please give me the feedback. Love to work together with your patients, with you, to make sure that everybody's getting the optimal amount and they're getting the results they want. Absolutely. We will do that. Thanks again. Thank you. Hey, fellow health junkie. Thanks for listening to the Health Fix Podcast. If you enjoyed tuning in, please help support me to get the word out about the podcast. Subscribe, rate,